We're going to be learning in Chidush Maran Riz HaLevi, the only piece in Hilchus Shabbos. This is Perak Haftes Halacha Hey. And in this piece, Reb Velvel is going to set up, as he very often does, very powerfully, two different approaches and understandings to the Halacha that one is not allowed to do Malacha prohibited labor on Saturday night until they make Havdalah. So he's going to trace the view of Rashi and the Rambam and show the consistency within their various approaches. The Rambam writes, Once Shabbos begins on Friday night, it's prohibited to eat or drink anything until one makes Kiddush. Similarly, on Saturday night, after Shabbos is over, it's prohibited to eat or drink anything or to do any prohibited work or to taste anything until he makes Havdalah. So on Friday night, one cannot eat or drink until they make Kiddush. And on Saturday night, one cannot eat or drink or do any Malacha until they make Havdalah. So Rav Velvel points out that the Rambam equates doing malacha on Saturday night with eating or drinking. Now, the reason one cannot eat or drink before Havdalah has nothing to do with the sanctity of Shabbos because you're allowed to eat and drink on Shabbos. So the reason that one cannot eat or drink before Havdalah has to do with Havdalah. That's one of the rules of Havdalah that you're not allowed to eat or drink before making Havdalah. So the fact that the Rambam includes doing malacha in that category indicates that according to the Rambam, there is no prohibition to do malacha on Saturday night because of Shabbos. It's not that it's a little bit like Shabbos until you make Havdalah or Shabbos is not totally over in terms of malacha until after Havdalah. It's none of those things. There is no further prohibition of malacha as soon as nightfall comes, even before Havdalah. The Rambam tells us the reason it's it's prohibited to do malacha before Havdalah has to do with Havdalah. Just like one of the rules of Havdalah is that you can't eat or drink before Havdalah, likewise, one of the rules of Havdalah is that you cannot do work before Havdalah. So that's the explanation of the Rambam as to why it's prohibited to do malacha before making Havdalah. Now, the Gemara in Shabbos Kufnun comments on the Mishnah, which says, lishmor peros biyado, that one is allowed to go go to the edge of the Tchum, which is the distance they're allowed to travel on Shabbos, so they can go to the edge on Shabbos in order to be prepared to go watch their produce right after Shabbos. So they're preparing for after Shabbos on Shabbos, but that's permitted, and then they can bring the produce back into the Tchum after Shabbos. So that's an actual prohibited malacha that they're doing after Shabbos. So the Gemara asks on that, he didn't make Havdalah yet. So how is he picking produce before he made Havdalah? The Ha'omar Rabbi Eliezer ben Antignos Mishum Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Asr lo la'adam shiyasa chafatzav kodam shiyavdil. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov said it's prohibited to do malacha before one makes Havdalah. So the Gemara suggests maybe he made Havdalah in Shmona Esrei. So he davened Mariv, which includes Havdalah, even though he didn't make Havdalah on the cup of wine. The Ha'omar Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel HaMavdil b'tfilo tzarech shiyavdil al hakos. 
The Gemara says that's not going to work because Shmuel said even if you made Havdalah in davening, in Mariv, you still need to make Havdalah on a cup of wine. So in this case, even if he already did make Havdalah in Mariv, it's not going to allow him to do Malacha. So now the Gemara gives potentially one or two answers. It's unclear. The Gemara says, Targama Reb Nassan Bar Ami Kami Deraba Benagitos Shanu. Reb Nassan Bar Ami explained that the case in this Mishnah is where the field that he's going to do Malacha in is where they make wine. So there's plenty of wine lying around and he was able to make a full Havdalah before he did Malacha. Then the Gemara adds, Amar le Rav Abba le Rav Ashi, b'marova amrinan hachi hamavdol ben kodesh l'chol v'avdinan tzarchin. Rav Abba reported to Rav Ashi that in Israel, the custom is to say hamavdol ben kodesh l'chol. They say that phrase and then they go do malacha. Amar Rav Ashi ki havinan be Rav Kahana have amar hamavdol ben kodesh l'chol umsalsinan silti. Rav Ashi reported the same thing from the house of Rav Kahana that on Saturday night he would say hamavdol ben kodesh l'chol and then and go cut wood. So this phrase of Hamavdol ben Kodesh Lechol allows doing Malacha. Now there is a debate in the Rishonim whether this is a second answer in the Gemara. So there are two answers to the question, how does the person do Malacha before Havdalah? One is that the case of the Mishnah is where he has a cup of wine and he made Havdalah. So according to that answer, there is no way to do Malacha before Havdalah. You have to make Havdalah first. And then there's a second answer that just saying that phrase, even without a cup of wine, even without all the brachas of Havdalah, so it's not a full Havdalah, but that's sufficient to do Malacha. So in the case of the Mishnah, even though he did not make Havdalah, so he still has to make Havdalah later on in the night, but just saying that phrase of Hamavdil is enough to allow doing Malacha. That's the first way to understand this. The second way is that when the Gemara says Hamavdil ben Kodesh Lechol, it refers to the brachas on a cup of wine. So there is no second answer. Both answers are saying the same thing. They're all agreeing that he made a full Havdalah on a cup of wine before he went ahead and did Malacha. So the riff in Arve Psachim is of this view, that just saying Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol without a bracha and without a cup of wine is not going to allow doing malacha. When the Gemara talks about that phrase, it's referring to a full bracha. Because the riff writes, Shmuel said that the Havdalah of Rabbi Yudah Nasi was Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol, and Ula also did that. And the Gemara in Shabbos that we just saw also says that that was Rav Kahana's Havdalah. So we have a few major authorities, Rav Yudah Nasi, Ula, and Rav Kahana, who are all making Havdalah with the formula of Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol. Still, says the Rif, that is not the Havdalah that we make. The custom is to say the three brachas of Havdalah. So the Rif seems to set this up that there's some debate. It's either our Havdalah that we make with all the brachas, or it's just this one bracha of Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol. And according to the Rif, the custom is not to make that one bracha, but to make all of the brachas. So the Ran, in his commentary on the Rif, picks up on this, and he says that we see that the Rif understands 
understood the discussion in the Gemara in Shabbos is whether Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lachol is said as a full bracha with the name of Hashem and with a cup of Havdalah. And once you say that, not only can you do Malacha, but you can even eat or drink because now you've made full Havdalah. So that's the way the Rif understood that. And the Ran asks on this, it doesn't seem correct because the Gemara was specifically talking about doing Malacha, not about being able to eat. So the Gemara seems to be saying that even though this is not a full Havdalah, it's just the phrase Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lachol, the person is just acknowledging that Shabbos is over, but they have yet to make full Havdalah. They haven't made a bracha. They haven't used a cup of wine. Even so, they can go do malacha, but they could not eat or drink. Eating has to wait for full Havdalah, but doing malacha is more lenient that once they acknowledge that Shabbos is over, even with one short formula, that's enough to do malacha. So that's the way the Ran understands the Gemara and Shabbos, that it's not talking about a bracha of Hamal Domei Kodesh Lechol, which would be an alternative to Havdalah. It's talking about a leniency to say this short formula and do malacha and then make Havdalah later. So that's the debate between the Ran and the Rif, how to understand this discussion in the Gemara. So now, says Rab Velvel, the way he just interpreted the Rambam is going to explain the view of the Rif very nicely. Because if the Rif agrees with the Rambam's understanding that the reason it's prohibited to do Malacha before Havdalah is a rule in Havdalah, it's not because of Shabbos. It's not that there's any sanctity of Shabbos left over so one cannot do Malacha, but rather Shabbos is totally over. So in terms of the rules of Shabbos, Shabbos, one can certainly do malacha. The problem is that you're not allowed to do malacha before Havdalah, just like you're not allowed to eat or drink before Havdalah. So that's why the riff says there's no way to just say Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lachol, one short phrase that allows malacha but not eating, because those two are parallel. So if it doesn't allow eating, there's no reason it should allow malacha. There is no prohibition on doing malacha. The only problem is that it's before Havdalah. So how is anything other than making Havdalah, a full-fledged Havdalah, going to allow the person to do Malacha? So based on that, the Rif said, if the Gemara says that Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol allows the person to do Malacha, it must mean not only Malacha, it also means eating. The person's allowed to do everything at this point because they've made a full Havdalah. So it must be that Hamavdil is referring to a bracha on a cup and it's an alternative shorter Havdalah and that's what the Gemara is proposing. So that's why the Rif holds that there is no way to allow Malacha before Havdalah because the whole issue of working before Havdalah has to do with Havdalah. So until one makes Havdalah, there is no way around that prohibition, same as the eating and drinking prohibition. So according to the Rif, it's either a short Havdalah, still a bracha and a cup, or it's a longer Havdalah, but there's no such thing as just saying one phrase of Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lachol and then being able to do Malacha, even though one hasn't yet made Havdalah. So according to Rav Velvel, the Rif's view makes sense in line with the Rambam's perspective. They both understand that there is no difference between eating before Havdalah versus doing Malacha before Havdalah, and neither one of those is allowed unless there's been a full-fledged Havdalah that's made. Now, there are two views in the Gemara, 
one is a shorter Havdalah and one is a longer Havdalah, but they're both full-fledged Havdalahs. So that is the view of the Rif and the Ramban. Now, the view of the other Rishonim, as the Ran said, and this is the mainstream view, is that Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol does allow the person to do Malacha, even though it's not a full-fledged Havdalah. So it's not a Bracha. There is no cup of wine. And even though the person cannot eat yet, they are allowed to do Malacha because there's a leniency that just acknowledging the end of Shabbos with a brief phrase is enough to allow Malacha. So this means that the Ran and his school of thought disagree with the explanation of the Rambam. They do not understand that the prohibition of Malacha on Saturday night before Havdalah is a rule in Havdalah. It must be something else because if the problem is Havdalah, then nothing short of making Havdalah is going to allow Malacha. Now, the fact that the Ran says that Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol on its own, which is not a full Havdalah, does allow Malacha, tells us that there's some other reason why Malacha is prohibited before Havdalah on Saturday night. So the explanation for that is as Rashi writes in Shabbos, Lehekeira be'alma l'lavos es ha-melech. Saying Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol, that short phrase, which is not Havdalah, is a way to acknowledge that Shabbos is over. So it creates a separation between Shabbos and the weekday. And it accompanies the king, the presence of Hashem, which is now departing. So according to Rashi, the prohibition of working on Saturday night does have to do with Shabbos. Now, even though Shabbos is over at nightfall, so it could be now an hour after nightfall, there's no Shabbos prohibition to work, but there is a lingering feel, an atmosphere of Shabbos, and it's disrespectful to Shabbos to just immediately start working as if it's a regular weekday and to not acknowledge that Shabbos is over and that Hashem's presence is departing. So before we do any weekday activities, of Malacha, we need to acknowledge that Shabbos is over and give it a respectful farewell before we go do Malacha. So that's why just saying the phrase Hamavdil is sufficient because that acknowledges and respects the departing Shabbos so then the person can go do Malacha. But that's not full Havdalah, so they can't eat. So according to Rashi, the prohibition to eat before Havdalah and the prohibition to work before Havdalah are not the same as the Rambam said, but they're totally different. The prohibition to eat is that before one makes Havdalah, they're not allowed to eat. So the only way to solve that is to actually make Havdalah. The prohibition to do Malacha is because it's disrespectful to Shabbos to not acknowledge that it's over and to separate between Shabbos and the weekday. So that can be done even with a brief statement so long as there's some acknowledgement that's made. But it does not require full Havdalah and there is no rule that one must make Havdalah before they do Malacha. So according to Rashi, this brief statement, which is not Havdalah at all, is enough to allow so those are the opposing views of Rashi and the Rambam. According to Rashi, there are two different reasons why eating and doing malacha are prohibited before Havdalah. Malacha is prohibited because it's disrespectful for Shabbos to jump right into the weekday. So that's why Hamavdil on its own, even though it's not Havdalah, is enough to permit malacha, but not eating, which requires full Havdalah. According to the Rambam, eating and malacha are parallel. They both are prohibited before one makes Havdalah because that's 
that's the rule of Havdalah, that it's prohibited to eat or do malacha before making Havdalah. So only a full-fledged Havdalah is going to suffice. It requires a bracha on a cup, although there is a shorter form of Havdalah which can be made, which will save a few minutes. Now, there is a third view that the tour in Arachayim Simen Reish Tzadi Tess quotes, which is like Rashi, that this Hamavdil is not full-fledged Havdalah, so there is no cup, and one would still need to make full Havdalah later. The Hamavdil only allows them to do Malacha, but it's not full-fledged Havdalah. And yet, according to this third view, one needs to say Hamavdil with a Bracha. So even though they largely agree with Rashi, they do not hold that you can just say the phrase Hamavdil on its own. It has to come along with a Bracha, but it does not require a cup. So Rab Velvel explains that this third view largely agrees with Rashi. They cannot agree with the Rambam and the Rif because since this bracha is not a full-fledged Havdalah, it's a totally different type of bracha. There's no cup and it does not fulfill the obligation of Havdalah. So according to the Rambam, it's not possible to be able to do malacha after that until one made a full Havdalah. So this view agrees with Rashi that the prohibition of malacha on Saturday night is related to respecting Shabbos. So that's why there's another decree that if someone wants to do malacha, they can do so. They just need to make the bracha of hamavdil, but they still need to make full havdalah later on. So this third view largely agrees with Rashi's perspective of the halacha, but they differ with Rashi on one detail. According to Rashi, just saying the phrase hamavdil, even though it's not a bracha, is respectful enough of the departing Shabbos to allow malacha. Whereas according to this view, it's not enough until there's an actual bracha that's made. But both of them agree that Hamavdil is not full-fledged Havdalah. So now having established the major views in this halacha, so in the third paragraph, Reb Velvel moves to explain what does Rashi mean that this phrase hamavdil is necessary to escort the king's presence, which is now leaving. What is that concept of escorting the Shabbos out? So he explains this based on a phrase of Rashi in Psachim, Dafnun, the Gemara quotes a Brisa, someone who works on Fridays, uvemotzei Shabbos uvemotzei Yom Tov, or on Saturday night or on Motzei Yom Tov or any time that it smacks of a sin. So Eino Roa Simon Bracha Laolam. Such work will never bring blessing. So the Gemara calls working on Saturday night some sort of sin. So Rashi explains Mishum Kavod Shabbos. It's disrespectful to Shabbos. Shemosifin Mechol Al Hakodesh because we have to add on from the weekday to Shabbos. The halacha is that we start Shabbos early and end it later. Now Reb Velvel says that Rashi cannot be talking about actual Tosefes Shabbos, meaning we have to end Shabbos later than it actually ends because no one can calculate exactly the moment that Shabbos is over. But that's called Tosefes Shabbos and those few extra moments are considered full-fledged Shabbos. So the issue of working on them is not Kavod Shabbos. It's not disrespectful to Shabbos. It's a violation of Shabbos. So the fact that Rashi says the issue here is Kavod Shabbos, one is disrespecting Shabbos by doing work on Saturday night. So it can't be referring to Tosefes Shabbos. It's talking about after that period. Shabbos is fully over and still there's a problem working. So Rab Velvel explains that we're talking about working before Havdalah. And that's exactly how the tour in Arachayim 
Mishnah in Reish Taritas interprets this brisa that the issue with this work is that one did not make Havdalah yet. And Rashi explains that the issue is Kavod Shabbos. It's a lack of respect for Shabbos. So Rashi is telling us the prohibition to work before Havdalah is parallel to the prohibition to work on Friday. Because going into Shabbos frenzied after working is disrespectful of Shabbos. So the same is true on Saturday night that it's disrespectful of Shabbos to go straight from Shabbos into work. So that's why Rashi refers to it as Tosefes Shabbos because we have to add on to Shabbos even after it's fully over. Even once we know that Shabbos is totally done, so now it's permitted to work, there's still a halacha to add on a few extra moments of non-work in order to honor the departing Shabbos. So that's exactly what Rashi said in Shabbos. His language in Psachim and his language in Shabbos are leading to the same point that there is no prohibition to work before Havdalah because of Havdalah. The prohibition to work before Havdalah is in order to honor Shabbos with a few extra moments of non-work in order to honor the Shabbos that's just been and that's now departing and not to jump straight into working. So that's how Rashi understands the prohibition of working before Havdalah and that's why, according to Rashi, even a non-full-fledged Havdalah, like Hamadol and Kodesh Luchol, just saying one phrase, is enough respect for the departing Shabbos. It creates a distinction between Shabbos and the weekday, so it allows Malacha. Now, in the final paragraph, Reb Velvel brings up a very intriguing idea. According to Rashi, the prohibition of working before Havdalah is modeled after the prohibition of working on Shabbos. So we're extending the prohibition of Malacha from Shabbos to a few moments afterwards. So obviously, the nature of the prohibited Malacha is going to parallel the Malachas, the 39 prohibited labors of Shabbos. But according to the Rambam, these are actually two different prohibitions. There's the prohibited malacha of Shabbos, which is the 39 malachas. And then there's an entirely different concept that on Saturday night, it's prohibited to work before Havdalah. But that has nothing to do with the prohibited malachas of Shabbos. The prohibition is because of Havdalah. Havdalah requires that we not work before Havdalah. So maybe the whole nature of which malachas are prohibited before Havdalah is totally different than the prohibited labors of Shabbos. There's no reason to say that they're exactly parallel. And in fact, there is another halacha that we find where it's prohibited to do malacha before doing something, which is similar to this one, and that is before davening. It's prohibited to do malacha before davening, but obviously the nature of those prohibited malachas are entirely different from the prohibited malachas of Shabbos, it's referring there to things that are more distracting and engaging and might cause the person to forget to daven. So perhaps the halacha that it's prohibited to work before Havdalah is modeled after the halacha that it's prohibited to work before davening. Those are the malachas that are prohibited, not the malachas that were prohibited on Shabbos. So according to the Rambam, there's this intriguing idea that what's prohibited before Havdalah might be totally different than the Malachas of Shabbos, which is the way that Rashi would have understood it. And in fact, Rav Velvel points out that the Gemara in Shabbos Kufnun, which is the basis for this whole halacha, it does not use the phrase Isr Malacha, prohibited labors. That phrase is associated with Shabbos. 
But the Gemara does not use that phrase. The language is, A person is not allowed to take care of their own business, their own needs, before they make Havdalah. So it does not apply the phrase of Easter Malacha, which would indicate the prohibited Malachas of Shabbos, but it uses a different phrase, which indicates things which are engaging, things that might cause the person to forget to make Havdalah. So that would be an entirely different criteria of prohibited labors, from the 39 of Shabbos. And there's another phrase in the Gemara that reinforces this. It says that in Israel, after they say, they do their needs. So again, it does not say they do malacha. It says they do their business, they take care of their needs. So that seems like a different criteria. And furthermore, this is all parallel with the prohibition of malacha before davening. The language of the Gemara in Brachos Yudalit is it's prohibited to do your chafatzim, your needs, before you daven. It says first you daven to Hashem and then you go do your needs. So the Gemara uses the same phrase that it used in Shabbos to describe the prohibition of working before davening and working before Havdalah, which is Now the Rambam, when he records the halacha about not working before davening in Hilchus so the Rambam writes, A person is not allowed to eat or taste anything or do malacha until they daven in the morning. So here too, the Rambam changes the phrase in the Gemara of lasos chafatzav to shiyase malacha. So the Rambam translates that phrase in the Gemara using the word malacha, but it's obvious that the Rambam does not mean that it's the same prohibitions as on Shabbos. He's not applying the category of malacha from Shabbos to before davening in the morning. So we see that the Rambam uses this word of malacha even in cases which are not identical to Shabbos. So now applying this all back to Havdalah, it could be the same thing that when the Rambam says it's prohibited to do malacha before Havdalah, he does not mean the malacha of Shabbos, but rather he's comparing it to the malacha before davening, which is a different criteria, a different description of work. So this would be a further difference between Rashi and the Rambam. According to Rashi, that the prohibition of working before Havdalah is in order to respect Shabbos. So the nature of those prohibited labors are identical to the ones on Shabbos. Whereas according to the Rambam, that it's prohibited to work before Havdalah, just like it's prohibited to work before davening. So the nature of what's prohibited on Saturday night is going to be different from what's prohibited on Shabbos. And it's going to be similar to what's prohibited before Shachris in the morning. And even though the Rambam uses the word malacha, but that's the same word he used also when it comes to the prohibition of working before davening. So this whole approach would be consistent with the Rambam's usage of the word malacha. And now Reb Velvel adds one more point that can be explained based on his understanding of the Rambam. The Shulchan Aruch and Arachayim Simen Reish Tzadi Tess quotes a view that even though it's prohibited to do malacha before Havdalah, that doesn't mean that all malacha is prohibited. There's different types of malacha. Some are allowed and some are not allowed. So malacha, which is a full-fledged malacha, like writing or sewing, would be prohibited. But lighting a candle or carrying, which are lesser malachas, are permitted even before Havdalah. So the question on this view is how can you differentiate between different types of malachas? The Torah prohibited all of these actions on Shabbos. So how can we say that some of them, the more serious ones, are prohibited? 
prohibited before Havdalah, whereas the lesser, the lighter ones are not prohibited. Says Rav Velvel, based on how he explained the Rambam, so this makes sense, because the nature of the prohibited Malacha before Havdalah is different from what's prohibited on Shabbos. So even though, of course, all of these Malachas are prohibited on Shabbos, but before Havdalah, it's only the more engaging, more serious Malachas that are prohibited. But ones that are lighter, that are not going to distract the person, are allowed before Havdalah, even though they're prohibited on Shabbos. And again, that follows from his interpretation of the Rambam, that the reason it's prohibited to work before Havdalah is not because of Shabbos, it's because of Havdalah. So the nature of what's prohibited is different, and it's modeled after what's prohibited to do before davening. So that is Reb Velvel's piece to explain the different approaches of Rashi and the Rambam to this very fundamental question of what's needed on Saturday night in order to allow someone to do malacha. And Reb Velvel says that the Rambam and Rashi have two totally different explanations for why it's prohibited to work on a Saturday night and therefore what level of Havdalah is required, either full Havdalah or just a recognition that Shabbos is over in order to allow for malacha. Now, Reb Velvel, as usual, raises a few thought-provoking points. First of all, this piece raises a very basic issue in the whole Havdalah, which is how do we light a fire before we make Havdalah? We make the bracha on fire before we make the final bracha of Hamavdol ben Kodesh Lechol. So we have not yet made the bracha of Havdalah when we already light a fire. So how are we able to do that if it's prohibited to do malacha before Havdalah? So according to Rashi, the simple answer would be that one says the phrase Hamavdol ben Kodesh Lechol, and then they can light the fire and make the brachas of Havdalah, including the bracha on fire. Or alternatively, they could make Havdalah in davening, and then they could go home and light a fire. So according to Rashi, there's a simple answer to this question. How do you light a fire before making the final Havdalah? Because it's allowed to do malacha even without the final Havdalah, just saying Hamavdol ben Kodesh Lechol. But the way Rab Velvel understands the riff and the Rambam, so we still have a question. How can one light a fire before making Havdalah when it's prohibited to do any Malacha before making the final brachas of Havdalah? So now again, according to the Rambam, there's a simple answer, which is the idea that Rab Velvel mentions in the final point, the view in Shulchan Arach, that you're allowed to light a fire and carry before making Havdalah. And Rab Velvel argues that that's the view of the Rambam, that the prohibition of Malacha before Havdalah is not the same as the prohibited labors of Shabbos, but it's a different criteria. So it makes sense that you can light a fire before Havdalah. So that would also answer this question according to the Rambam. But if you don't follow that view, so you hold like the Rambam that it's prohibited to do any malacha before the final Havdalah, and you hold like the mainstream that it's prohibited to even light a fire before Havdalah. So how does one light the fire before making Havdalah? So Reb Moshe HaKohen, who wrote the Hagos Ramach, there was another set of critiques on the Rambam, not as famous as the Raivid, but written by the Ramach. So he asks this question in Hilchus Shabbos, Perak Haftes Halacha, hey, how does one light a fire before Havdalah? And he answers that since the fire is only needed for Havdalah, so therefore it's permitted. The prohibited Malacha is something that someone's doing for themselves. But if they're just lighting a fire in order to make Havdalah, that's not included in the prohibition. So even though it would ordinarily be prohibited to light a fire before Havdalah, the fire of Havdalah is an exception and it's allowed. So now this answer also makes sense in light of Reb Velvel's explanation of the Rambam 
Rambam's approach. Because if it's prohibited to do malacha on Saturday night, so what does it matter if it's for Havdalah or not? Either way, it should be prohibited. But the way Rab Velvel understands the Rambam, the whole prohibition has to do with Havdalah, so it makes sense that anything that's needed for Havdalah would be an exception. So this is another example of something that makes sense in light of Reb Velvel's explanation. But it would not work according to Rashi, because according to Rashi, why should you be able to light fire just because it's needed for Havdalah? It's still prohibited to do a malacha. So this answer of the Ramach only works in the Rambam's perspective, not in Rashi. Now, interestingly, the Magan Avram at the end of Simon Reish Tzadi Tess does quote that the view of the Zohar is not to light the candle before making the Havdalah bracha on a cup. So according to the Zohar, the only way to do the bracha on the candle would be to make Havdalah on a cup and then to make the bracha on the fire. So that's obviously not what we generally do, but that is the view of the Zohar that it's not allowed to light the fire before making Havdalah on a cup. Now, Reb Velvel also has a very specific interpretation of the view that you're allowed to light a candle even before making Havdalah. So this is quoted by the Ramah at the end of Simon Reish Tzadi Tess. He quotes from Rabbeinu Yerucham that it's only prohibited to do a malacha gemura, a full malacha before Havdalah, like writing or sewing. Aval hadlakas haner ba'alma but lighting a candle or carrying, even though they're prohibited on Shabbos, are allowed before Havdalah. So the Beis Yosef already quotes this, and he asks, as Rab Velvel quoted, why should there be a difference between different types of malacha since they were all prohibited on Shabbos? So the Beis Yosef rejects Rabbeinu Yerucham's compromise, and that's why he doesn't quote it in the Shulchan Aruch, but the Ramah does quote it. So the Taz suggests an explanation to the Beis Yosef question, which is along the lines of Reb Velvel, but much more generic. In other words, he doesn't get involved in the conceptual understanding of this view. He suggests that something which requires expertise, the rabbis said it's prohibited to do before malacha, but anything which could be done fairly easily, they did not prohibit. So there is no real prohibition on malacha before Havdalah, only what the rabbis decreed, and they only prohibited expertise malacha. So that's what Rabbeinu Yerucham means, that only malacha gemura, things which are complicated are prohibited, not things like lighting a candle or carrying. So that's how the Taz formulates it. But the Magen Avram also has an answer to the Beis Yosef's question, and he suggests a totally different reading of the view of Rabbeinu Yerucham, which is totally different from Rab Velvel. According to the Magen Avram, Rabbeinu Yerucham is only talking about someone who already said Hamavdil ben Kodesh Lechol. So they've already ended Shabbos according to Rashi, and they can do full malacha, but according to the Rambam, they cannot until they make Havdalah on a cup. So Rabbeinu Yerucham offers a compromise, that in such a case, in order to be stringent for the Rambam and the Rif's view, one should avoid full malacha, but they can do smaller, easier malachas. So according to the Magen Avram, Rabbeinu Yerucham is not saying that even without anything, one can light a fire immediately after Shabbos, even before they made Havdalah, his leniency is limited only to someone who already said Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol, but they 
did not make full Havdalah. So according to Rashi, they can do any Malacha. And Rabbeinu Yerucham saying that they should only do easy Malachas. So that's obviously a totally different reading of Rabbeinu Yerucham than Rab Velvel's. And Rab Velvel's explanation of Rabbeinu Yerucham would not fit into the Magen Avram's understanding. Now, interestingly, the Mishnah Brura follows the view of the Magen Avram against the Taz. So this actually ends up with a stringency that even after someone said, Baruch HaMadlam in Kodesh Lechol, so we generally assume that Shabbos is over and they can do any Malacha, but according to the understanding of the Magen Avram, they should only do light, easy things like lighting a candle, but not real Malacha. In order to do real complicated Malacha, they should make full Havdalah. So that would be a big stringency based on Rabbeinu Yerucham, and again, Reb Velvel follows the Taz's understanding, and he adds in a conceptual piece to it that understands that Rabbeinu Yerucham allows lighting of fire even without Baruch HaMavdol Ben Kodesh Lechol. Now, there are some practical ramifications to Reb Velvel's analysis, this distinction between how Rashi and the Rambam understand the time before Havdalah, and one of them Reb Velvel himself discusses in his Chidushim on Yuma, the stencils. He raises the issue, are you allowed to drink water after Yom Kippur before Havdalah? So in general, before Havdalah, it's prohibited to eat or drink, but water is permitted. So on a regular Saturday night, you could clearly drink water Water before Havdalah. The question is, what about after Yom Kippur? Because drinking water on Yom Kippur is prohibited. So do we need to make Havdalah in order to remove that prohibition or not? So Reb Velvel leans to the side that it is allowed, but he seems to imply that it would depend on the understanding of Rashi versus the Rambam. According to Rashi, that we extend the prohibitions of Shabbos until Havdalah, so the same would be true on Yom Kippur, that we extend the prohibitions of the day, which include drinking until Havdalah. So it would be prohibited to drink water before Havdalah, just like it's prohibited to do Malacha on a Saturday night before Havdalah. Whereas according to the Rambam, that the time after Shabbos before Havdalah is totally not Shabbos anymore. It's totally a weekday, but there's a separate prohibition that you cannot drink or eat or work before Havdalah. So the same is true after Yom Kippur. It's totally a weekday. The person can drink. The only issue is that it's before Havdalah, but Havdalah doesn't prohibit water, so they would be allowed to drink water on Motzei Yom Kippur before Havdalah. So this is a very interesting ramification between the perspectives of Rashi and the Rambam. According to Rashi, we draw out the time of Shabbos and Yantif until Havdalah, so that would include not drinking water on Motzei Yom Kippur, whereas according to the Rambam, Shabbos and Yantif and Yom Kippur end immediately at nightfall and all of the rules and prohibitions are immediately over but then there are certain prohibitions that kick in because of Havdalah. Now this issue of drinking water on Motzei Yom Kippur before Havdalah is a debate between the Magen Avram and the Levush at the beginning of Simon Tuf Reish Chaf Dalid. The Magen Avram rules against the Levush that it's permitted and in general the Magen Avram points out that all the prohibitions of Yom Kippur end immediately at nightfall even before Havdalah. 
Havdalah. There may be other things like eating and drinking that are prohibited before Havdalah, but that has to do with Havdalah, not Yom Kippur. So it's possible to see in the debate between the Levush and the Magen Avram some sort of parallel to the views of Rashi and the Rambam. The Levush follows Rashi's idea and the Magen Avram follows the Rambam. Now, the Magen Avram in Simen Tzadi Aleph has a similar case, which is on Motzei Pesach. After Pesach is over, before Havdalah, what about eating chametz? Now, there's a general prohibition to eat before Havdalah. So how would this ever come up? So the Magen Avram has a case where someone started eating on Yantif. It's like a form of Shalashudis. And then they continue eating past nightfall. So they're allowed to continue their meal. The question is, are they allowed to eat chametz in that meal before Havdalah? Now, nowadays, this wouldn't come up because we mostly sell our chametz. But let's say a person had chametz that belonged to them and they could eat it during that meal before Havdalah. So again, the Magen Avram rules that they are allowed to eat the chametz before Havdalah. And this is consistent with his view in Simen Tafresh Havdalid that one can drink water after Yom Kippur before Havdalah. What's interesting though is that the Magen Avram in Tafzari Aleph seems to formulate this leniency a little bit differently. And it actually sounds like if the stringency of chametz would be connected to Yantif, then it would be prohibited. So there is some sort of contradiction between these two Magen Avrams and the Chalkas Yoav has a very interesting list of 103 very powerful questions called Kava de Keshaisa because Kava Kuf Beis Aleph is the gematria of 103. So in question 86 he raises this issue. But either way the Magen Avrams practical rulings are consistent that once Yantif is over even before Havdalah the prohibitions are suspended. And it's also worth pointing out that the Mishnah Brura seems aware of this problem because when he quotes the ruling of the Magen Avram in Tafzadi Aleph, he reformulates it to be consistent with the overall idea that as soon as Pesach or Shabbos or Yantif or Yom Kippur is over, the prohibitions are immediately over even before Havdalah. So the Mishnah Brura is very consistent on this issue and this is the view of the Rambam according to Rab Velvel, that as soon as Shabbos or Yantif is over, the prohibitions are over. There's no need to make Havdalah, but then there are other prohibitions that are connected specifically to Havdalah. So that's the view that the Mishnah Brura adopts. Now, it's also worth mentioning that Reb Nassan Gishtetner, in his Sefer Nassan Pirion Psachim Kuf Gimel, so he has a similar explanation of the Rambam and Rashi, and he does quote Reb Velvel's analysis, but he adds something very important, which is that the Rambam does not hold of Tosefes Shabbos. According to the Rambam, there is no obligation to add to Shabbos before and after. The only Tosefes the Rambam rules is adding to the fasting on Yom Kippur before and after. But according to the Rambam, a regular Shabbos does not have Tosefes Shabbos. So he connects this with the debate between Rashi and the Rambam. According to Rashi, we can say that the Shabbos extends beyond nightfall until Havdalah because that's a continuation of Tosefes Shabbos. Since we have to add on to the pro prohibitions of Shabbos and continue them after nightfall, so that extends up until Havdalah. So that's how Rashi understands the time period after Shabbos before Havdalah. But the Rambam doesn't hold of Tosefes Shabbos. So that's why he can't extend the prohibitions of Shabbos. It needs to be a new prohibition related to Havdalah. So that's an important point to add on to this analysis. Now, Reb Shlomo Berman, the Stipler's son-in-law, in his Sefer Asher Shlomo on Moed Simen Lamed Aleph, so he raises 
is a very strong question on Rab Velvel's explanation of the Rambam. Because this is all the Rambam in Chavtes Hey. But the Rambam in the next halacha, Chavtes Vav, rules that there is a way to make some form of Havdalah, which allows doing Malacha, but is not full Havdalah, and you still can't eat until you make full Havdalah. And the Magid Mishnah there is not sure whether the Rambam is referring to just the phrase Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol, or it's a full bracha with the name of Hashem. But either way, this seems to contradict Reb Velvel's analysis that according to the Rambam, one cannot do malacha until they make full Havdalah. There's no difference between eating and doing malacha because here the Rambam does introduce the concept of making a partial Havdalah, which allows doing malacha but not eating. So that does make this whole analysis more complicated because now it's not a clear division that the Rambam holds you can't eat or do malacha until you do full Havdalah and there's no partial malacha of Hamavdal ben Kodesh Lechol, the Rambam does hold of such a concept. So Reb Shlomo Berman suggests that according to the Rambam, maybe there's two types of Havdalah. One is a bracha without a cup and then one is a bracha on a cup. But what is clear is that Reb Velvel's analysis, which seems to say that the Rambam has a very clear category that without Havdalah, all of these things, eating and malacha are prohibited, that is not going to work. There has to be some sort of gray area, something a bit more complicated in order to understand the view of the Rambam.